Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Hey, kids, let's travel the world together. She can make it easy and in any kind of weather. No TSA, no bad checks, no patting down. She's talking from the skies and sending lots of feel-good sounds. Traveling, there's no doubt. Betty and the Chits. Oh, she's weird and wonderful. Oh, Betty, she's a podcast queen. She's wearing high heel shoes. Got her wings on, too. You know, I've never seen a better stew. Oh, Betty and the Chits. Hello, and welcome to. Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline, and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and the pilots, and from traveling around the world. This episode, the music is from the Kinky Boots musical. I've had, I've been very fortunate, had some really nice layovers in London, and I love the London theater scene. So I got to see Kinky Boots, which was so much fun. Just a rousing musical, and they dance on conveyor belts. Uh, it was just fabulous. So um, I'm including some music from that, maybe inspire you to see it when it comes to your town. And I also saw Beautiful, the Carol King musical. And boy, that was fantastic, too. Gosh, what a voice, what a story. It was uh, so much fun. I tell you what, lots of times on a layover, I'm a little tired because, you know, I haven't got a lot of sleep. But uh, I get to the theater. You can buy half price tickets the day of, which is so nice. And uh, um, I'll sit there and I'm a little tired thinking to myself, oh, I might be a little sleepy. I'll tell you, as soon as those lights come on and people are right there and singing and dancing, boy, wake right up. (laughs) So anyway, in this episode, we have stories about some yellow horses, a fort, an airplane fire. Uh, It's nice. I got a um, fighter pilot story, which I haven't had in a while. Uh, Some stinky dogs, the pips, and a manhole. (laughs) Let's get on with the show together to turn the factory around and be true to themselves, they discover that sometimes the best way to fit in is to stand out. Let's hear it for Kiki Boots! Well, boss, is this what you had in mind? Yeah! I was standing in the jetway waiting to come home from Europe. And, you know, sometimes, actually, now, most of the time, we have different pilots going over and coming back. They're on a different trip. They're on a six-day trip or something. They're going back to a different city. So, you know, you haven't met them before. And I'm standing in the jetway. The cleaners were still cleaning the plane. There were uh, three or four of us standing there. 
And this pilot comes up, you know, new pilot. I hadn't met him before. And he sort of leans over to me and says, uh, yellow horses, and then gets on the plane. And I'm like, thinking, yellow horses? Is that some sort of code? <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I maybe, have I met him before? And we talked about horses? But there aren't any yellow horses. I was like, oh, that was, maybe he's just odd. <laughs> so he, this same pilot comes back to the back of the plane where I'm working to check the water and waste levels. And I, I say to him, uh, hey, what, what were you talking about horses? And he goes, what are you talking about horses? I'm like, when he got on the plane, you said yellow horses. And he said, I said, hello, gorgeous. <laughs> He goes, I guess I'm not very good at flirting. <laughs> and he walked away and I laughed so hard. <laughs> Maybe I need to get my ears checked because I swear he said yellow horses. But <laughs> he said, hello, gorgeous. <laughs> Maybe I'm bad at flirting too. And we take off, it's now 10-11, and we hear this tap, tap, tap up under the front galley there, under the carts. And we're that like, always scares me. what the heck is that? And so we stop three times on the ground. Tap, tap, tap. Oh, it's freaking us out. So we called up front, so one of the guys came back. Tap, 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 tap. He goes down in the hole, can't find anything. We decide maybe we've got a stowaway, and we've got to go back because they'll die. So we go back to Los Angeles and we go over the airport, but we don't land initially. We do a pass over the, the airport, a low pass. Ground says, tower says they don't see anything. So we come back around and we land. We're there like an hour and a half. They take all the cargo out, look through all the cargo bins, looking to see if we have a stowaway. Don't find anything. We leave. We take off again. It's the middle of the night. It's an all-nighter. So we, we leave again, and I called up front, and I said, you, you know, you need to tell these people something. Yeah. You know, I mean, they don't really have a clue right. why we were there. And he goes, gets on the PA, and he goes, well, we, we thought we had a stowaway, but I guess we dropped them over the ocean when we made our little <laughs> And I'm just like... No one said a word. Really? No one said a word. <laughs> they did not care. <laughs> I got this rock the plane story from a fellow flight attendant listener named Joss. He said he was listening to the last episode about people fainting on the airplane and how you can learn to recognize when passengers are going to faint by the way they walk or talk. And I remembered this time when I was on a night flight, I was sitting in the flight deck chatting with the pilots when out of the blue, we felt a little bump. Not like turbulence or hitting a jet stream, but just one little bump that makes you sway a little like when you hit a pothole on the road with your car. For a second, the pilots glanced at each other, checked the weather radar and other instruments, but nothing awkward could be seen. So we continued talking, and after a few seconds, a flight attendant from the mid-galley called to inform us that a passenger had just fainted. I returned to the cabin. When I got to the galley, I instantly understood what had caused that little bump. The guy who fainted was huge. <laughs> 
He's gigantic. Weighed over 120 kilograms. Don't know what that is in U.S. pounds, but, you know, really big. <laughs> Two of the other flight attendants had been sitting in the galley, enjoying a quiet moment, saw this giant guy come into the galley, instantly recognized he was going to faint, and he was going to fall on top of them. So they pushed him out of the way so he would fall on the galley floor instead of on top of them. If not, there would have been more casualties. It's not very kind, but it was very wise. He was really big. That's what had caused the little bump. <laughs> and it wasn't a small aircraft. Uh, it was an Airbus A330. Can you imagine how big you have to be to make the plane rock by falling on the floor? That's a rock in the plane. There were two passengers in first class, this is when we had first class, yeah. and they were sitting on opposite sides of the cabin, and one of them was like a trade representative from the state of Georgia, right? All right. So they were sitting on opposite sides, a man and a woman. I was doing the first class. They said, later, since they were the only two sitting in first class, they decided they would sit next to each other during the flight. Yeah. You know. Right. Well friendly. That's fine. Until we come back. Oh, I don't, it must have been on break or I don't know what happened. They have rigged blankets around their seat and his underwear are in the aisle. Oh, go get those underwear. I said, no. I said, Dietmar, you get it. Go get them. Go get them. And I'm like, no, no. Because I... I'm, I'm ordering you to get those underwear. <laughs> so I took some bread tongs and I picked them up and I brought them into the gallery. I'm like, what am I supposed to do with them now, d <laughs> Right? And he goes, put it back, put it back, put it back, put it back, you know. So I went back and I threw them back on the floor. Right? So you had to take down the board, didn't you? Well, maybe I went on rest break. I don't remember what happened, but... I came back. The fort was gone. She was sitting on. She was sitting on her, her side, and he was sitting on the other oh, side. Oh, sides again. Yes, they went back to their the respective really? seats. Yes. Huh. Yes. Well, this was interesting. I was on a flight to Europe and I'm sitting uh, in the jump seat that's facing the passengers or the exit row. So basically you're toe to toe with them. You're looking at them. They're looking at you. We're not supposed to do anything. You know, we're not supposed to do any personal pastimes, like be on your phone or read. So basically you need to chat or else you're going to look like a real um, unfriendly person because you're sitting right across from them. They're staring at you. So uh, I usually chat and, you know, I like to chat and, uh, I noticed the guy at the window had a book and I was looking at it going, wait a minute, I think that book has been on my uh, coffee table. And I said, hey, can I see the front of your book? And he was like, mm, okay. And uh, I look at it and I'm like, oh, hey, yeah, um, I'm in that book. And he's looking at me like, what? And I've never <laughs> never been in a book that somebody was holding on the plane before. And I'm like, hey, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm in that book. He's like, what, do you know the authors? I'm like, no. And then I knew that it was going to be hard to explain, especially when you're sitting there in your flight attendant uniform. It's hard to explain that you have some other interests. You do some writing, you know, a podcast. Um, that's all complicated. And so I just said, oh, yeah, I wrote wrote a story for that book. And uh, he's like, really? <laughs> like, yeah. No, it's weird, but yes. Um, it's uh, The book is called Be Invincible, 
a playbook for reaching your full potential. And it's by the uh, the author is the guy who was a subject for the Disney film Invincible. And uh, I'm like, here, here, hand it over. I'll, I'll find the page that it's on. It took me a little while because it's been a long time, five, six years or whatever. And when they had sent me the book, they had put a little piece of paper where my story was. So I'm looking and looking. And I know he's probably thinking, she's not in that book. <laughs> But yeah, sure enough, I'm like, here, yeah, here I am. Here's my story. It's a story about jumping off a train in Morocco. And um, he's looking at me like, well, why are you, why, how, how are you in this book? And I'm like, oh, you know, uh, I wrote a book. And whenever you write a book, at least my publisher, uh, co-author slash publicist, uh, she's like a jack of all trades. Uh, it's a small publishing house that uh, put out my book. And she basically gave me a ton of homework. Uh, write this, write that, write this, write that, send it all over the place. And whenever authors or uh, journalists are looking for certain types of things, they'll put out something. You don't get paid. a lot. None of it's paid. But, uh, you know, they might, like in this book, they mention my book. So you're doing it basically to promote your book. And uh, I wrote all kinds of stuff and sent all kinds of things in and sure enough, made it into this book, uh, made it into a couple other books, you know, magazines and stuff. Um, but you know, it's all a lot of work. <laughs> I mean, really, it's the, the reason why, and this is going to sound really strange. Well, you know, a lot of things about me sound strange, but um, I finished the second book, Betty and the Jets, a couple years ago, and it hasn't come out yet. Um, like I said, it is a small publishing house. Um, but I'm really in no hurry for it to come out because when it does, I'm going to have all that homework again. It's like, do this, do that, write this, write that. Uh, it's actually more work than writing a book in general. All that stuff you have to do when the book comes out. So um, I know I should be as an author sounds I still don't call myself an author, but I guess, quote unquote, author. Um, I should be like, when is my book coming out? Darn it. <laughs> but instead, I'm like, oh, yeah, take your time. It's fine. I'm in no rush. <laughs> Because <laughs> I know how much work it's going to be. Uh, but anyway, it was so strange to have the guy sitting across from me with the book that that I wrote a story for. And uh, another book that I was in. And, you know, I, what are the chances that someone's going to be holding um, trucker ghost stories? <laughs> I wrote a story for that, too. <laughs> and speaking of being in other people's books, I just got an email from someone saying, hey, uh, do you know that you're quoted in Ariana Huffington's new book? And I'm thinking, huh? <laughs> uh, you know, Ariana Huffington is from the Huffington Post. And regardless of your uh, political persuasion, you know, she's pretty uh, well known. And I'm thinking, how in the world am I on her radar? But her book is uh, called uh, The Sleep Revolution. So she must have got a quote from me that I, I must have wrote it for Yahoo or something. I mean, I've wrote wrote so many things for so many different publications uh, when I was trying to promote my book that uh, I guess she got that from somewhere. But I was like, oh, well, that's flattering. <laughs> I'm in Ariana Huffington's new book. How weird. Okay, you're on your way to Japan. Oh, or, well, we had just got the engine fire out and we're headed back to Japan to go land. So now we need to get in touch with the Japanese controller and tell them what our situation is. So as we're trying to get communications with the controller over there. What kind of plane were you on? It was an A6. Uh-huh. So we had a uh, we had an engine fire and we had gotten it out. We're heading back to the shore. We're trying to talk to the Japanese controller. We're emergency aircraft. We need to come in and land. And uh, they come back and say, oh, say, state, say the state of your emergency. And I said, we're on fire, but we got okay. it out now. When we're good to go, we need to come back and land. He said, you're on fire. You're not come here. <laughs> 
So it was a little language barrier to tell them, no, we had lost an engine. They said, okay. So they said, okay, so your engine's working now. And I said, no, we lost the engine. You have no engines. No, we have one engine. So what's your problem? We had two. We now have one. We're declaring an emergency to come back and land. So it took a little while to finally get him to understand like that we that needed to come back. Come here. <laughs> A little clip for something that was fun for me. You know, I have a one of my hobbies, interests, passions, whatever you want to call it. I like the stock market. It's respectable gambling. I enjoy it. And, uh, you know, I invest with what little money I have, but I like it. It's fun. Uh, not everybody enjoys it, but I do. And I got invited on a financial podcast, which was uh, flattering to me because that's something different. Never done that before. And it's called uh, Stacking Benjamins. It's at uh, stackingbenjamins.com. You can also find it in iTunes. It's a good podcast. And uh, here's a little clip of me on my very first financial podcast. Exciting. Yeah. Betty, an anonymous flight attendant. And I'm so excited because Betty is my favorite podcaster. I got to tell you, I tell Cheryl, like, Jill Schlesinger from CBS is coming on. Oh, that's neat. Ed Slot's coming on. Oh, that's cool. Jane Bryan Quinn's coming on. Ah, uh, neat. She doesn't care. I told her that Betty's coming on from Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. She's like, that's awesome. That's incredible. She is way more excited about Betty being here than she was about any of those people. So. Okay, once upon a time I was in a briefing and um, it was in Amsterdam and we had a pilot come into the briefing room saying that our um, um, compartment down below was not able to be warm so we had these dogs and they these two dogs were weighed about nine kilometers and um, yeah whatever anyways we thought I guess we thought nine pounds we didn't realize how big these dogs might be but of course of course, we all were willing to accommodate the doggies. So we said, yeah, sure. It was on a DC-10. So we, um, we all agreed, and they blocked off the last two rows on the DC-10, and they bring these dogs, and they were huge. They were German Shepherd puppies, two of them. And they stunk to high heaven. And I was talking to two farmers as they were bringing these dogs on, and I said, oh, we just wanted to make you guys feel at home. So um, here you go. But, ev but everybody started going, you know, was complaining about the smell. They're like, I'm not going to ride in with these dogs. So, and, and the people uh, were from Russia. They were um, coming to the U.S. and didn't speak any English. And we did, I didn't know how to communicate to them how we were going to, you know, get the dogs off. But, but anyways, um, we did. We just had to take the dogs off, and um, I don't know. That was just a really funny experience to me, and um, yet yeah, they were they were big dogs, <laughs> and we had to take them off, and they had to go on a later flight, and um, the poor Russians didn't get their dogs when they landed in the U.S. She didn't tell the end of that story because she didn't think it would come over on an audible medium, but I can tell it to you. She said that uh, she was worried about that Russian couple not understanding what happened to her stinky dogs and why they weren't on the plane because they only spoke Russian. So she said to the 
agent, you know, we need someone who speaks Russian. He's like, no, 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 I can handle it. I'll handle it. And he walks up to the Russian people. <laughs> he takes his fingers and he puts them over his nose. You know, the universal sign for smelly. <laughs> points to the dogs and points. They're going off the plane. So he's like, there, I told them the stinky dogs are off the plane. Well, I'm always looking for sleep aids, like some things to help you sleep in crew rest because you only have a certain amount of time. You know, you've been working, 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 and all of a sudden it's like hurry up and sleep, and it's it's difficult to sleep, and you can't take any, you know, you'd be a fool to take like Ambien or something on the plane when you're at work. I mean, that's crazy. But I like to try to find, you know, legal... <laughs> non-prescription sleep aids. So I I had read something about these essential oils that help you sleep, this blend of like 10 different oils, one lavender and like all these different oils. And uh, I had read some reviews on Amazon. They were like, oh, it's better than pot for helping you sleep. And I was like, hot diggity, I want some of that. <laughs> if it's just essential oils, you know, they should smell good. It should all be great. I can, you know, rub some of that under my nose and crew rest and hopefully maybe I can sleep. So I get them and I'm sort of excited about it, right? Because I'm like, this is going to be the, you know, miracle cure for sleeplessness and crew rest. <laughs> so uh, maybe my expectations were a tad too high. So uh, I had excitedly rubbed it on. I actually rubbed it all over my face, my hands, put it on the bottoms of my feet thinking it's going to work. It's going to work. And so it didn't work. <laughs> Maybe I was too amped up about trying to sleep. Anyway, I came up from crew rest and I was flying with a straight male flight attendant. And um, at least I think he was straight. Lots of times, so hard to tell, but it doesn't really matter. But uh, I said to him, I was sort of dejected and I was like, my essential oils didn't work. Assuming he would understand what I was saying. And he was just looking at me very strangely. It was just really giving me an odd look. And I was like, what? And he goes, well, that's really personal. And I'm thinking, what? And he goes, your essential oils didn't work. <laughs> I said essential oils. And he heard probably because he hears that word more often. He heard sensual oils like I was doing something very personal in crew rest. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I showed him the little bottle. I'm like, no, no, no. Essential oils, not sensual oils. Well, if you're in need of any uh, essential oils or some sensual oils, <laughs> you can always find all of those things on Amazon. And if you go to my website, BettyInTheSky.com, click on the Amazon links or you can bookmark the Amazon links. It won't cost you any more and it supports the show. You might even want to buy some of those books that I'm strangely enough in, like uh, the Trucker Ghost Stories or be Invincible or The Sleep Revolution. <laughs> if you want to buy anything, go to Amazon. Please consider going to my website, bettingthesky.com. It supports the show, and I thank you so, so much. She commuted to Miami, and you know how those commuters always running for the flight, always running for the flight. She gets to Atlanta and running to the gate. The gate agent is closing the door and says, come on, come on, get on, take any open seat. Like, oh, thank you so much. I'm going to get home early. Oh, thank God. Thank God. Just take any opposite. So she grabs a seat. And as they're pushing back, the, uh, the PA. PA comes out and says, 
we're going to be uh, showing a preview of the movie for the flight so you can purchase headsets afterwards. She goes, movie? Yeah, to Miami. She goes, sir, where is this flight going to? Salt Lake City. <laughs> she went all the way to Salt Lake City. So she did not get home early. Took her home the next day. So something happened to me on a flight. Um, we were going to Panama City, Panama. I was doing that trip to Panama down. So, you know, we take off and the speakers, the other speaker and I started doing the forms, landing forms for Panama. And uh, this really nice, gracious lady, British lady goes to me, excuse me, why do we need customs forms to go into Panama City, Florida? <laughs> and I'm like, you're joking, right? We're not going to Florida. We're going to Panama, the country. And she's like, no. And she started laughing. I mean, she took it really well, and we're like, how did you get on this flight? The agents should have, should have caught this. So we looked at the, um, at the ticket, and no, what happened, the travel she agent or she bought it online. in England sent her to Panama City, Panama, yeah. thinking it was Panama City, Florida. So we didn't go, we didn't, we didn't, we took it with us. Yeah. They, we didn't land any, you know, in Orlando or anything. No, she went all the way to Panama. The you know next what? morning, she was Dude, on the airplane with us. I hope we helped her to return. We put her, we put her in first class the next day. You know, it she, was, she thought it was funny because people don't realize there's two. So when they're booking it themselves on the internet, they book it to the wrong. Either I've seen it when um, someone was going to trying to go to Panama with friends, but they went to Panama City, Florida. Oh, so it took them a couple days to meet up. Yeah. yeah. So uh, at work, I tend to tell stories once somebody else brings up a subject, and then you know I, I say, I tell my story that re relates to that subject. And so I want to tell you this story because this prompted the next story. Uh, a couple years ago, I don't know if you guys remember this story, but it was on one of my flights. We were going to Rome, and Chris Rock was on the flight, and uh, I think we started talking about this because you know he had just been on the Oscars, and I guess you know he's in the news and stuff like that. So. Uh, he was getting on the plane and somebody brought him down early because, uh, you know, like a handler, like, a, you know, it's just a, a courtesy because he's famous. They brought him on before we started boarding the flight. So there was a female pilot and she was out in the jetway and she saw the airline employee with Chris Rock. And then she just assumed that Chris Rock, you know, worked for the airline. He was like a ramp guy or something. So she said to him, as we're supposed to do, if you see an employee who doesn't have their ID badge on, you're like, where's your ID? And he was thinking probably, you know, ID to like drink. And he goes, ID. <laughs> and then she was totally embarrassed later when she found out that uh, she had just challenged Chris Rock thinking he was like a ramp rat. <laughs> but anyway, this friend of mine, we had just started flying and and um, I think she was going from Atlanta to LA or somewhere. But anyway, Gladys Knight was oh, yeah. on the flight. You know, you know Gladys yeah, Knight. Yeah. Anyway, um, anyway, so then she's sitting up in first class. I think it was back in TriStar Day. You know, and then there were these guys back in the back, and they had all like every like these pastel suits and stuff. Yeah. Each one of them had a the different pips. suit. And she said, "Are y'all the pips?" And they said, "No, we the, we work on the ramp." <laughs> <laughs> it was just the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they had like these pastels. Are you the pips? <laughs> Are you the pips? Pips. Not the pips. <laughs>
one day we were, we were flying from Frankfurt. We were on a full airplane, and there was an Indian man who came to the back. And he says, I want to sleep on the floor here because I'm very tired. And I said, sir, I'm sorry, you cannot sleep on the floor here. He goes, but I'm very tired. I do not like my seat. I said, I'm sorry, you cannot sleep on the floor here. Because I must, I'm very tired. And I said, well, I, I, you know, I, I'm sorry, you can't. It's not allowed. And I said to him, I said, you know, if you really want, I mean, what I could do, because you're sitting in a middle seat, right? I said, I could, you could go into the bathroom and you could lock the door. And we could just put a dude, you know, what you say, it's an inoperative bathroom. And you, could stay in, you could stay in there for a while. Oh, no, no, no. I So he asked me for an aspirin yeah. and a glass of water, and he disappeared, right? A couple months later, I get a frantic call from my my supervisor. You have to come into the office and discuss an issue, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, oh, my God, what is going on? So I go into the office. This man wrote a letter, claimed that he came to the back and asked me for an aspirin, and I told him to go lock himself in the bathroom. <laughs> I don't believe I ever talked about my ethnic background, except for to mention I have blonde hair and blue eyes. And when people ask uh, what my ethnic background is, I say, I used to say until it became, I think, maybe a little slightly uh, offensive. I used to say a bunch of white people, but I didn't mean white in an ethnicity white. I meant white as in pale because <laughs> I'm very pale. And um, people used to say I look like Sandra Locke, you know, the Clint Eastwood's old girlfriend a long time ago. She's really pale. And I'd be like, you're just saying I'm pale. <laughs> anyway, uh, I've now changed my a bunch of white people to a bunch of pale people. But uh, I'm actually German, Scotch, Scotch-Irish, Dutch, and English, and a itsy-bitsy, teeny-weeny, I think, 192nd American Indian, so I don't think that counts. (laughs) I didn't get any of the pigment from the American Indian. But uh, I'm mainly German, and I like to fancy myself having uh, the German efficiency, but most of the time I probably fail (laughs) because I have a lot of, um, you know, I have a lot of things going on and I never know which project I'm working on, but I do value efficient use of my time. So I commute to work and I have to drive an hour to get to the airport before I fly standby. That's why the whole process takes a long time. So I have at least three hours drive a week, but more likely usually four hours at least in the car a week. And you know, that kind's kind of time is just kind of shot. You know, you can't really get anything done. You can talk on the phone. Uh, So (laughs) I've come up with a way to uh, make that driving time more efficient. So I I work out in the car. (laughs) People are like, you what? I'm like, hey, no, 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 it's not, there's nothing about it that's not safe because I always have my eyes straight ahead and I always have at least one hand on the wheel, uh, but I, I keep a dumbbell in the car 
and I can do curls. I can do what would be like um, if you were doing jumping jacks, but with just with your arm with the weight. You know, I do the one side, then I do the other side. And I have like, I have quite a few different exercises you can do for your arm with no problem driving. And uh, and I also put it on cruise control. And you can do like some thrusts. You can, I, I do some uh you know, stomach crunches, you know, there, there's quite a few things you can do sitting down to get, I mean, granted, it's not a great workout, but you know, it's more workout than you're going to normally get driving. <laughs> I keep upping the weight on the, the, the dumbbell in my car. I just have the one because the other one I keep on the wheel and I'm always looking straight ahead. So uh, I, I don't think it's necessarily dangerous. But I also do like, remember the old exercise you used to do when you were 12? I must, I must, I must increase my bust. (laughs) That's like kind of pushing. You can do that on the steering wheel. So you're like, you know, compressing the steering wheel. (laughs) Anyway, I have managed to be creative enough to come up with quite a little car workout routine. Uh, I do think that most likely if anyone, because in general, you don't really look in other people's cars when you're on the highway. But if, you know, uh, someone was to look in my car, <laughs> here I am in my flight attendant uniform with a dumbbell. <laughs> and the dumbbell, uh, the one of them was uh, bright pink, and now this one's teal. <laughs> and I, I would imagine uh, I'm uh, quite uh, the sight <laughs> working out in my car, driving to work in my uniform. I was telling another flight attendant in the galley about my car workout, and I was showing her some of the exercises I do with my dumbbell, and obviously I have more room on my right-hand side because of the passenger seat, so I'm showing her, like, I hold it out, and I kind of do this, like, tricep. Is my arm straight? I'm using, I'm putting the dumbbell up and down, and so she said, well, how do you do the other arm? Do you open the window? And I thought, oh my gosh, now that would be really, really conspicuous if I'm driving down the freeway with my window open, my arm out the window, doing exercises with my bright pink dumbbell. I'm like, no, 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 I have to modify the other side. So we pick up, we pick up into, into car, we're on our way down to South Africa. And the van is, it's an old rickety van, and the luggage cart is just a trailer they attach to a hitch in the back. So we load all of our stuff, or the the driver loads all of our stuff, we get in the van and we start driving towards the airport. Well, we're going down a hill all the way through town, and I'm in the last row of the van, and I look to my left, and there's a luggage cart on its own, driving down the (laughs) left-hand side of us. So it winds up, our luggage cart winds up passing us and hitting a, hitting the curb down the road, blew a tire. So everybody's got to, everybody's taking pictures. Everybody gets out of the van while a stranger on the street and the van driver replace the tire. Well, one of the girls who has taken a picture, she, she comes around the corner because she wants to send it to everybody. She disappears out of sight. She fell in a manhole. <laughs> Like, where did she go? Where did she go? She fell in a she manhole. She fell in a manhole. And then we had to pull her out. And she was. Oh, my God. She ripped her hose. She was bleeding at well, the knee. The I bet it was dirty. Yards. Oh, it was sick. It was a gutter. 
So uh, as soon as we get to uh, Cape Town, we got a runner. Uh, yeah, one of the crew members ran her down to the clinic and got her all of her tetanus shots and all of that. Got that she covered. fell in a manhole. Yeah. It's glamour for you. Oh. Well, that's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I think I'm going on a trip in a couple days. I haven't decided where I'm going. Just a small trip, like maybe four days. Uh, I'm not sure where, but I'll tell you all about it in the next episode. Uh, hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel around the world together. Thanks. Bye. Bye.